Dragon the Peg is recorded on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, the Cree, the Oji Cree, the Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome to Dragon the Peg, a podcast exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Hooson, and I'll be your host. Today's guest may be young, but in only a year and a half of performing in drag, she's become an inspiration to all of us baby queens and kings in the city, and a figure to watch for even the most seasoned dragoon. After competing for three club titles this past year, she founded Transcendent, a showcase for two-spirit, trans, and non-binary drag performers, the first show of which debuted last March. She's funny, she's witty, and she's wise beyond her years, and I had an absolute blast chatting with her. So without further ado, please help me welcome a horror of Lady Frances, Miss Asuma Gender. Hi, my name is Miss Asuma Gender. I'm a drag queen in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm 21 years old. I don't know why I sounded so hesitant there. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm here, and I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining me today, Miss Gender. Thank you for having me. Mind if I call you Gendy? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that's fine. Bendy Miss Gendy. I'm not that bendy. <laughs> I can do the splits. That's like my one stunt. Yeah, and it's cool. It is like the one like cool, fun, zesty thing that I can do with my body. <laughs> and the fun thing is, is that I always forget that you can do it. Right. I like to keep people like on their toes, which is why it's it's so much fun to like pull out for um, like I did it on the Pride main stage. And then like yeah. I've done it just at, at shows like I think I've done it at both pageants now, or at least mm-hmm. one of them. Um, because it's like, oh, she's a big girl. And then it's like, oh, shit, she's on the floor. It's just always, like, it's just always surprising for me. And I don't know why I can never remember that you could do it. But every time I see it, I'm like, oh, right. And oh, it's really, right. it's yeah. a big moment for me. No, I did, I did dance for, for a bit. So I, I just kind of have tried to maintain that flexibility. And that's the one thing that I've maintained from my dance background. Hey, why not? Why not? So, first question, what's up with you and bees? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that is a fair question. Um yeah, I don't know. I've I've always kind of been into bees. I think bees are really cool and really important. Um but the summer before last, I reached out to a uh I guess a local farm that works with the Bee Maid Co-op in Manitoba, mm-hmm. and they were looking for like students to work for them for the summer. So I was like, hey, I'm a student, I have no experience, but I'd like to do this. And they hired me. So the first summer I worked for them for about like two and a half months. Uh, and while working with them, I developed a bee allergy, Ugh. which was great. And then, yeah, cause that's the thing that happens is like the first time you get stung, probably nothing happens. But then once your body's like acclimated to it, um that's when bee allergies develop so a lot of beekeepers you meet might like be allergic um for me it kind of depends on where i'm stung whether or not i need to use an EpiPen or something um so that first summer i had to leave before we started extracting this past summer i worked pretty much all the way through with like the occasional break for personal reasons and I didn't end up having to use my EpiPen at all, uh, but I still had like minor allergic reactions when I got stung. 
because why not? Um, <laughs> but no, I just, I think these are neat. And then I've got, uh, you know, I've had a couple bee suits and fun things. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I incorporated this into drag? And I've done, I guess, two numbers now that were kind of bee-centered. Because I did the one at the in-town show mm -hmm. uh, for Coronation. And it was the only Coronation event I got to go to. And then I did one for uh, my Miss Club 200 performances. Yeah, I you did. I think it was the in town show. There was like some part with like a really high note, and you like <laughs> you like stabbed yourself with your epipen, and you just screamed. It was really funny. Uh, yes, I did. I did do that. Um, I don't know. There was this. Uh, there's this part. It was um, Gloria Gaynor's Honeybee. Um, yeah, and it has like these trumpets going that sound like um, that sound like bees buzzing, just really high up. And then there's this one part where she's just kind of vibing and then <laughs> goes like, ow! <laughs> and so I just, I mimicked getting stung in the neck and then going into anaphylaxis and I went fumbling for my EpiPen and it was my actual EpiPen, but I didn't like uncover it and I stabbed myself in the thigh or like pretended to. <laughs> sometimes Gloria just be vibing. She just be vibing sometimes. I love her so much. I it, It's the, I think the only real like disco number that I've done um, and it's probably the only number that my parents would have been, like, psyched to see because they love Gloria Gaynor. Who <laughs> don't? Yeah, it's just, she's fun. <laughs> she's great. So tell me a little bit about your life before drag. Yeah, what was I, what have I been doing? Well, I've only been doing drag for, it's been a year. Uh, I started December 2nd of 2018. Happy birthday. I Happy know. drag birthday Thank by the time you. that we're recording. I know, I yeah. By now it's been I've been I'm a year and like a week old ish. That's how math works. Um, roughly. So yeah, I've been I guess doing like musical theater and community theater since I was a kid. I've always really loved performing. I've been doing singing lessons, stuff like that. Um, I thought for a bit that I was going to be majoring in theater or doing a double major in theater and women's and gender studies at the University of Winnipeg, mm -hmm. and I just kind of. They kind of shifted after my second year. Uh, I'm in my fourth now. And I kind of realized that, uh, like, the the theater department is doing its best, uh, but it's not perfect. And it's not a perfect space for, for visibly queer bodies, for, like, fat bodies, uh, or for disabled bodies, really. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I decided to kind of shift focus into majoring in women and gender studies, um, focusing on literary and media analysis and then theater just kind of fell into the background a little bit last year and has has almost just kind of started picking back up for me um, I got the opportunity to be in the Fringe Festival this past summer uh, with Francis Conkin you which bet was you great. did it was really fun it was really great and I got to I got to help write uh, bits of that and kind of help conceptualize that piece and the play itself was it was kind of it's kind of about drag. It was kind of about gender. Um, but it was also about colonialism. It was also about um, kind of theater meta analysis. Um, but it was it was really really fun to do. It was called uh, Trend Settlers Episode Four, which I don't know. We we made a lot of fun references and broke the fourth wall <laughs> a lot. Um, but yeah, so like being on a stage has always been very very comfortable for me. Um, I really love attention i'm a leo so like that's a thing um uh, and yeah i guess when 
I knew uh, Stara David from this production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat we were in together. In uh, university? It wasn't part of university. It was um, it was this other local company. Um, and it was a show. That's kind of all I'm going to say about it. Um, but, you know, we, we kind of got to know each other a bit better. And they run the Rainbow Lounge at the University of Winnipeg. Um, and kind of from getting to know them, I got to see, like, them start their drag journey. Mm-hmm. And for a little bit, I was kind of, I guess, really confused. I was, because I kind of fell into the belief that, you know, if you're assigned female, you have to be crossing the binary to do what's, you know, what it quote unquote drag is. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a bit, I really didn't get it. Um, but then I started really wanting to try it. So I, I just kind of did. Um, I was supposed to, well, I say supposed to, but I, uh, Stara said that I could, if I wanted to, perform at the first Slent show at Ghouls and Fools, which was last Halloween. And the timing of everything just didn't really work out. Um, but I still ended up going and seeing the show, and it was the first drag show I ever really went to. Oh, you were there? Yeah. I was there. Did we meet? I think I met you briefly. Oh. Um, I was in a, uh, it's my Jeff Goldblum sweater. It's like a rainbow with a cat on it, and it's really fun. Um, and I was going as this very specific, like, photo shoot that Jeff Goldblum did. Because I couldn't do, like, a fun, like, intense costume. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just kind of there, and I watched, and I tried to tip people where I could. Um, and it was great, and I was like, I really want to be in the next one. I was afforded the opportunity to perform at Hot Toddy, which was in December. Um, and that was amazing. And between then, I think I went to one of the Miss Club 200 nights. I I tried to go to the bar a bit more, because I really hadn't been previously. Um, and then I did my debut in on December 2nd. Oh my god, I always forget that we met before you yeah. entered the drag scene. I fully interviewed you for Wh- the projector. Oh, right. The Red River College's newspaper. Right. On Trans Day of Remembrance. Why did I ask you? I don't know. Probably I don't know. because you might have been the only binary <laughs> trans person that I knew. Valid, yeah. Um, <laughs> that happened. I also met you because you were in Student Bodies with Sophie. Right, Like yeah. two years ago. Yeah, we don't talk about we that. We don't talk about that. Okay, so you found out about drag through Star David. Mm-hmm. And I'm detecting a gap there. So <laughs> that sounds really psychological and really judgy, that so I'm going to go does. back there. <laughs> no, you're fine. So you found out about drag through Star David, and you said that you were kind of a little bit um, confused about the idea of, like, uh, drag being irrespective of gender and mm-hmm. assigned sex at birth. But then you, you, you debuted as a, as a beautiful... <laughs> gorgeous young lady as as something. which i mean like <laughs> it makes sense <laughs> yeah like here here's the thing so i i don't know m- before kind of meeting stara and seeing that first lunch show and seeing like what kind of other drag there was in the world mm-hmm. all my exposure was like to Drag uh, it was Drag Race. Shit. It was literally just Drag Race. And for a while, I was like, oh, my God, I love RuPaul. And now I'm like, uh, nope. Um, for reasons that I'm sure we can get into later. Um, but they're the same reasons as everyone is, you know, he's transmisogynistic and capitalizes off of femininity without actually respecting women or, mm-hmm. you know, cis women or trans women or non-binary people or 
Spill it. <sighs> Anyways, um, so, <laughs> so yeah, but that was kind of my my exposure to it, and for a <laughs> while, like, Drag Race was kind of a counterculture for me because my my parents are lesbians. I grew up in, you know, relatively queer spaces. Uh, all my aunts are apparently people that they've like. I don't know, that they know from people they dated or taught because uh, one of my moms is a teacher. Um, you know, I, I grew up feeling very comfortable identifying as queer, but my parents do not like flamboyant gay men because they just, I don't know, you're, like people are allowed to have preferences of who they surround themselves with. Um, but I think because of that and because of the way they kind of view drag and because of the way drag gets portrayed in the media as being, you know, a man is in a dress for a joke. Like, that was kind of the way I thought of it as well. So I didn't feel like, even though I I am a man and I'm a trans man and etc., um, I was like, well, if this is my body, though, then I can't, like, I can't be a drag queen. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to be a drag king. Uh, I think just because the... For, for me, part of it comes down to, like, the artistry. I didn't see myself being able to do a caricature of, like, masculinity. Um, because the way I present myself in my day-to-day life is pretty, you know, pretty effeminate, um, pretty flamboyant. And I'm comfortable doing that from the perspective of, like, I'm a man doing this. But putting that on the stage, I kind of like being able to play a character. Um, I also like to kind of subvert expectations I guess so if past me is like well this is the only thing you're allowed to do I kind of want to throw this back in past me's face and say actually I can do whatever I want um so like in all honesty it's not like I'm breaking new ground by being a, a man doing feminine drag but by being a trans man with the anatomy that I have doing it for some reason that's when it becomes like a conversation a conversation I guess so it's, I don't know, it's a complicated thing. I didn't feel like I was, a, I, felt, I felt like I could be co-opting or intruding on um, what drag was by being an AFAB person trying to be, you know, feminine on stage. But again, like I saw Moxie Cotton, I saw Rose Mortel, um, I saw Skirt Browning, and I saw like Stara David, who I knew from other stuff, and I was like, oh, I, I guess I can do that. Um, and I spent like those, I guess like that month and a half being like, huh, where, so where do I go from here? And I started, I guess, just digging out like my old girl clothes that I kind of shoved away that I was like, I don't feel confident enough to wear this as a, you know, as a man who's very often trying to pass, you know, I don't always feel like I can wear a dress in public, but you know, if I'm playing a character, then I might as well use it. So that was kind of nice. And I was also working for a uh, consignment secondhand store whose name shall remain unspoken because I hate it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had access to like some decent plus size like uh, secondhand Forever 21 stuff and, and that kind of thing. And then I, I think I always kind of knew what name I wanted to use when I did drag. And I was like, if I get to do feminine drag, I want my name to be misgender. <laughs> Because I like puns. <laughs> yeah, it's creative, and you got a you got a new name recently too. Assuma. Yeah, yeah. So Asuma, Asuma was kind of uh, I guess bequ- not bequeathed upon me, but I think 
it was only like the second or third time I met uh, Kitty Valentine because Kitty and Serenity uh, just kind of recently came back to Winnipeg and I never met them when they when they were here before but I met Kitty on New Year's Eve last year I don't think she remembers meeting me because she was having a, the best time <laughs> but just kept leaning over and was like I'm your auntie Kitty and I was like cool um, and so yeah she came back for like the the in-town show and then I think I met her one more time over the summer and she was like if you ever decided on picking a first name like here's one that I think you would like and you can say no if you want and I was like I mean if you have an idea I literally you know because very often people will just call me like Jude which is my chosen name which is fine but if I'm like dressed as misgender it's like well that kind of breaks the illusion mm. and misgender doesn't have like a fun kind of I don't know like a shortened t way to be called so I guess cake was calling me like missy for a bit and you just called me gender and I'm yeah. like <laughs> which is fine and fun but I was like I kind of want a first name um and so Katie Valentine was like you should be assume a gender and I was like that's really good actually um so then I I used that and I think I picked that right before uh right before the entertainer of the year pageant this past fall um, which threw Dustin off because I I changed it on my Instagram, but it was after I had submitted my paperwork, and he messaged me, and he was like, I'm going to need you to refill this paperwork. And I was like, I, I don't think I do because I'm literally, I'm still misgender. I would just assume it's just in there. It's just, it's just kind of there. Um, and it ended up working fine. I hate when people call me Graham. Yeah. I hate that. It's so, it's really strange. Um, and everybody does. This is, I literally just use this opportunity to tell people to, in the drag scene to stop calling me Graham. <laughs> That's the real reason we're having a season two is, is so you, you can just... stop calling me Graham. Yeah. Um, if you know me as a drag queen, Contessa. Mm -hmm. If you don't, what's, ha fine. what's happening with Vicomte? With Vicomte? With Vicomte. Oh, uh, he's kind of, just like pops up. Yeah. He I like to exists. imagine that he's just like, lives out of town nice just pops up every once in a while love that <laughs> yeah that's very fun yeah no i don't know being called being called your real name is strange especially because like i don't know like prairie prairie's just prairie like wherever you are mm -hmm. like if no matter where you are prairie's just prairie yeah. and you don't use really i don't know i i definitely okay so uh I'm gonna talk about Sunshine House eventually, so we can talk about that sure. then. Um, but I don't know. For for a lot of people, like their name is so tied to their identity, and they like have this brand built. That I was like, I kind of want that. Um, and yeah, I guess just being being called like your your actual name when you're in costume just feels like kind of a reminder of like, oh wow, you are just kind of like playing pretend. It's not it's not comparable to being like dead named. Um, no, not at all. Not at all. But it's still, it's kind of a weird jarring thing, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly when I'm in drag, also when I'm out of drag. Yeah. yeah if you valid. know me as Contessa, call me Contessa. Mm -hmm. When you call me Graham, it makes me feel weird about myself. Even though, mm -hmm. for all purposes of this project, I call myself Graham. Valid. So I can understand yeah. the confusion. Yeah. And but for the most part, I don't know. I'm, I'm good with, like, whatever, but mm -hmm. just, like... I don't know. Na names are fine usually as long as it's not like my birth name. Mm -hmm. um, and then pronouns I just have a funky relationship with, especially with drag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess as far as that goes, like 
I I use he pronouns out of drag and I use she pronouns in drag and people also just get me confused with Stara and Moxie and sometimes Dirt also and sometimes Rose and sometimes Rose <laughs> which I think has only happened once because like you literally just have to look at us and be like no 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 that one's Rose Mortel because she knows how to do a cut crease um, <laughs> and not have it bleed into the rest of her eye makeup um, but yeah people see like plus sized white like queer-ish looking people and they're like ah you you must be star david and i'm like must i be <sighs> i think you must i guess i don't know because stylistically we're all very different but aesthetically i don't know i guess sometimes there's some overlap but moxie as far as i know uses like she and drag i think star uses they and she Dirt uses he, and I just use he for dirt, like, whenever. And Rose uses she, I think, in and out. Um, but I think people sometimes see me, and they see the way I present in drag, and they see how I present out of drag. And I tend to be a bit genderfuck in, in both respects, which makes me hard to categorize. And there's, like, there's there's no shame in, like, using they, them pronouns. Absolutely not, because I identified as non-binary for three years and I wanted to be called they instead of she like I wanted to be called anything instead of she but now when people do that and I've had the conversation with them that I'm like it's he or it's she and like I'm fine with either of those but they just makes it feel like you you see me as queer but you don't care enough to know that I'm not non-binary you know mm -hmm. and like I'm a gender non-conforming trans man but I'm still a man and when I'm in drag, I'm a woman. And that's, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. So it's not a bad thing if, like, someone just met me and they're like, oh, yeah, and they're doing this. Um, but if we've had, like, multiple conversations and I'm like, no, these are my pronouns, it's like, well, no, now this is, I know you're trying to be woke about it, but it's still misgendering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is ironic, because that's my name. <laughs> I, and that's a very interesting topic that I hadn't anticipated us to talk about, but pronouns in and out of drag mm -hmm. is a very interesting and personal construct. The way that I, and the way that I know a lot of people operate is kind of like, um, uh, if I am in drag, these are my pronouns. If I am out of drag, these are my pronouns. Do not mix the two mm -hmm. unless you are also a drag performer and yeah. you are family, in which case use whatever. So for example, um, Moxie Cotton uses they, them out of drag mm -hmm. uh, and she, her in drag. But I don't really know Katie, mm -hmm. you know? I don't yeah. really know Moxie out of drag, but even even when Moxie's out of drag, they are clearly not a woman. Yeah. Like they are- They are an egg. They are an egg. They are egg. They're an egg. Uh, and I know and respect the fact that they use they, them pronouns, mm -hmm. but um, I, I still tend to use she, her pronouns mm -hmm. for them. Which but, seems to be, like, a comfortable thing between us that we both understand. Mm -hmm. um, and people tend to use she, her pronouns for me out of drag when otherwise I'd be uncomfortable. And it's a weird kind of relationship. It's re it's really strange and it's really interesting. Because and personal. It is. It's definitely personal, which is why it's, it's good to, like, get to know someone before, you know, and find out, like, where is their comfort with being called mm -hmm. girl if they're just at the club, if yeah. they're not, you know, in drag. Because... Yes. I know some people will just do that, and I'm like, actually, that feels kind of icky. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I remember going to Sunshine House uh, for the first time with uh, my partner who was visiting from out of town over the summer, and she was like, why are they all calling you she? 
And I was like, <laughs> oh. It's a thing. It's a thing. And with them, it's okay. Because um, you understand. Yes, because they, they understand, like, that context of, mm. you know, my drag persona and, like, my personal life, like, kind of overlapping. Um, it's like, but it's like, I know that someone doesn't necessarily know me if they, like, default to they because my yes. friends know that I'm not that comfortable with that. And it's, I don't know, it's just, it's a, it's a strange, it's a strange kind of thing, especially since I've, I don't know, I've kind of gone a few different ways with the way, you know, the way I paint my face, the kind of numbers that I do. And I've only really done like, quote unquote, boy drag, like a handful of times. Mm. And I found that makes me like the most dysphoric and being called I guess like being called he when I'm when I'm in drag and when I'm in that space as a drag performer mm. because I feel I feel then like I'm it's more performative it feels like yeah it then it feels like I'm performing masculinity in a way that does not work for me mm. um and I know you know that's not the case for everyone and like there's afab drag kings and it's you know there's there's so so much nuance to the conversation um but for me like I don't feel dysphoric getting into a dress or fishnets or heels um, or a wig. Like, that's that's all fine for me. And I know Moxie talks a lot about gender catharsis. And that's something that we, yeah, that's something that we, we share a lot of. But that's, you know, drag is an outlet for me to express femininity, which in some aspects of my personal life is, you know, really oppressive. So it feels fine for me to get into this dress and stuff with the context of me being like, a man in a wig doing this number mm-hmm. um and that feels great but being like a man getting into boy drag and then being perceived as a woman doing male drag because that's very often like the perception that people have of me and i'm like i can't do that it's weird it's a strange kind of situation and like i think about um the number i did this past halloween where i did a reanimator thing and I was like I looked really cool and I wasn't like the most I wasn't that unhappy with my number but thinking about it now just like I it it just felt bad Mm. um and I couldn't pinpoint why but I think now I'm kind of like ah that's why because it didn't feel it didn't feel like drag for me no and that's and that's just me and I can understand that yeah I I love doing femme drag. I also like doing mask drag mm-hmm. because it's it's like playing pretend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there's really no parallel for non-binary trans people because like yeah, I, I like doing gender like fuck is, g- gender fuck is really fun. It's more of a it's more of a pathway and less of a destination. True. Like yeah. people will tend to, I mean, in and out of drag, people will tend to choose for you mm-hmm. what they see mm-hmm. based on what signifiers they they notice first. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I guess genderfuck is... It's a vibe. Yeah, it's it's a vibe. It's something... That's the style that I expected to be doing when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I find... No, I like being... I like being feminine, but kind of... I don't know, I guess... A little bit... A little bit trashy, a little bit messy. But I also really like... I like being glamorous. I like doing, you know, all that stuff. As long as there's a little bit of room for me to be funny. Mm-hmm that's where I really kind of have situated myself. And I didn't think that was what was going to happen. I thought I was going to be doing like artsy gender fuck numbers. Um, but I kind of have gotten into, 
um, you know, doing feminine stuff that has some kind of like twist on being trans and very often there's something really stupid and <laughs> doing stupid drag has been kind of like the the best thing for me. Yeah, I was going to say you've been through over the past year we've seen a lot of different iterations of misgender but it feels like you've really settled into a style and a look. Mm-hmm. Like I guess it seems I don't like know. you it seems like you found an aesthetic that works for you I and a style. I think that works. so cuz I I don't know. Um, cause I'm, I'm still finding it. It's really hard to say, you know, I've been doing this a whole year or so, and I found my, I found my spot. Um, but what I think is like, I found kind of an eye shape and a contour that works for me. I found, I actually look really good when I wear lashes, so I should do that. Um, <laughs> and I, I like doing... I like doing the kind of high femme stuff, but I really like doing comedy. I like making people kind of roll their eyes and groan um, and laugh because that's... I find you incorporate both. Yeah, I, I like to kind of hit both. And I think that's also useful because then when I do something that's really, really personal and really touching, um, it it hits home. And it's, it, it's, it's a good balance for me that I've kind of managed to find. And I don't know if that'll change. I kind of hope it does, because I want to keep growing and expanding as an artist. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the niche that I've settled settled myself into. I want to kind of go back to talking about um, being a femme trans mask person. Mm-hmm. Um, you told me that you really wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've talked about it a little. I want to <laughs> talk about it more. Okay. So... Why do you think that, like, the rudimentary concept of a man doing femme drag, the the kind of, like, baseline that, that, that any person walking down the street understands of drag, mm-hmm. is so complicated when you add in transness as a factor? Uh, I don't know. It's... Mm. Like, suddenly it's radical, but really, suddenly, like you're, you're a man suddenly doing it's, femme drag, which is what everybody knows. Yeah. It, a lot of it comes down to like the anatomy of, of it all because you know our society we live in a society we live we live in a, a society society <laughs> Jesus Christ yep um, where you know we are very situated into the gender binary of you know and it's a it's a patriarchal and colonial construct of you know maleness and femaleness and having genitals that uh determine one or inform the other you know everything is viewed as being inherently connected and inherently um tied together um and i think that that's what kind of fucks with people a lot is the fact that um in in their mind and this is the way it is for a lot of like afab people in their mind they're like oh but you're not really dressing up which is why you know where's the transformation sis is a hashtag with a lot of like afab queens on on twitter and instagram and stuff like creme fatale uses that a lot um where you know you'll see and like look up creme fatale because she's so pretty um but you'll see her like just her regular face and then the way she paints which is like very not human but beautiful and it's like no this is transformative art 
Um, but then you have people asking, but is it drag? Because their understanding of what drag is is so situated in crossing a binary, which historically isn't correct, you know? Um, because trans people have been using drag as a way to either as a way to pass as their gender um, or to, you know, to explore that in safe queer spaces or to, you know, to go through a kind of gender catharsis in, in a lot of ways. Um, and that's been happening for, for decades for, and, you know, that's, that's just me thinking back to like Stonewall-ish era. But, you know, this kind of thing has to have been happening longer, you know, and, and my, my mindset and my experience is very situated in, you know, quote unquote, Western white civilization. And like I said, I'm 21. I haven't experienced all the all the history and all the nuance and all those conversations. But, you know, I can say that thing, things have been the way things are and the way that things have been portrayed do not necessarily line up and trans voices uh, especially those of, you know, trans women of color and sex workers and, you know, people who used drag as an escape, as a coping mechanism or, you know, as a source of income in the 50s, 60s, 70s. They're the ones that really kind of laid the groundwork um, of what drag is and the aesthetics and the styles that we continue to play with and the fashion trends that we see now um, emerging and then coming coming out of the woodworks again and again. But you know, they, their voices aren't the ones telling those stories because very often they're the ones that are either being killed or that have died because of because of AIDS, because of suicide, for whatever reason. So the voices that survive are the ones that are that are able, the ones that have the financial stability to keep living, the ones that have the privilege of remaining hidden from from the public view, which you know can very often be cisgender, uh, white, gay able-bodied men so you know that's where we see narratives of and that's that's not to say that rupaul hasn't you know rupaul is a black man and his experiences differ greatly but the the cisgender gay male experience um in drag has kind of dictated the way that drag is viewed and so rupaul's ability to i guess step into that spotlight when the when the opportunity was afforded to him that's great and was groundbreaking and was powerful but you know as the world changes and as things continue to grow and shift and expand the art has to change as well and the lens and the voices have to change as well so that can't be the only perspective of drag that we see anymore is cis men in dresses and heels saying you know talking about you know talking about their cunts or their bussies or their whatever when you know they won't let women compete when they won't let afab performers uh into the spaces when they won't you know let trans performers be on hormones on the show like it's a complicated discussion where for for one we have to be kind of grateful for the the platform but we also have to understand that it it needs to be better than it is amen that was a whole many many rants rolled into one Um, i liked it thanks um but i guess back to the the actual question at hand um yeah people people see transness as inherent uh radicalism because the current 
prevailing narrative is cisnormative. So once you throw transness in there, it it immediately queers the space further. So, you know, viewing drag as a queer art form where you have a cis man dressing, quote unquote, as a woman or femininely, um, that's already queer, but and and that's already, you know, unacceptable for a lot of people. But as soon as you add in the, you know, this man has a vagina, it becomes a whole other thing. And that's just because of the, the world we live in and the way people view trans bodies and the way people view vaginas and the way people view um, legitimate art. And that's just that on that. And that's just that on that. Let's talk pageants. Let's talk <laughs> pageants. This last year, you competed in three different pageants. Mm-hmm. Um, you won none of them. I won zero of them. But, <laughs> but I think very subjectively, and I think most people do based on the reaction, you produce some of your very best drag in all of those pageants. I would probably agree with that. You I shredded th- it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really happy with how I've done And I think um, the pageants that I've gotten to compete in have kind of given me the opportunity and the, I guess, motivation to push my drag to where I wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. And th- those have really been the ways that I've um, firmed up like who misgender is and how I, how I want to perform. Um, so yeah, I did the mixed queer Winnipeg in the spring at some point, um, and then I did the Entertainer of the Year pageant in October, and then I just recently did the uh, Miss Club Two Hundred pageant in November. They happened. They were they were uh, they were something. They were something. They've been done happened. They've been done happened. So mixed queer, mm-hmm. hot bed of baby queers. So many baby queers. Um, yeah. Pretty much all of them. Um, Li- literally all, yeah, like a big a big chunk of it. I don't remember if Rose competed in that one or not. I, I believe she did. Okay. Because um, uh, I know Mox- Moxie competed and Moxie won. Uh, Dirt competed and was one of the runner-ups, I think. Uh, Quinzar, I think, was the official runner-up. Mm-hmm. Um, Stara competed, I competed, Sylph competed. Yes. Um, I don't know if Rose did. I bel- maybe she didn't. Point no being, idea. there was um, a bunch of us. Point being, hotbed for baby queers. Yes. EOI, same situation. S- the very same situation. Yeah. Miss Club Two Hundred. It was, was just not. It. <laughs> it was you versus Winnipeg's busiest drag queen, Prairie Sky, and I think this actually came up in a question from a previous Miss Club Two Hundred, and the mm. question was, how will you ensure that new talent has? the opportunity to stand up against old talent. And I think the reason why so many of our contemporaries were afraid to compete was because they knew that they would lose against someone as formidable, as talented, as experienced, and as deserving as Prairie Sky. But you said, no ma'am, no sir. I want to toss my hat in the ring. How Uh, and why? Okay, so the actual way that I went about wanting to compete was I... Around Entertainer of the Year, I I was really hopeful that I would win, but I was also like, I don't think I'm gonna, so I just want to do really well. Because I was just coming back from a family trip to Halifax, and I did not give myself enough time to prepare. I'm still really happy with what I managed to do. You should be. Because um, it, it was a really great pageant. It ran very tight. Um, we all did some of our like our best drag ever. Um but I was, I kind of knew from the get-go, I was like, 
I'm competing against Dirt and Stara and Sylve and Fortuna and Rose. Like, this is heavy, heavy competition. Um, but I was also kind of at that point, like, I really like doing pageants. I think they're really fun. I really like the the tightness and the um, the speed. And um, I, I like doing more than one number in a night for some reason. I just, I kind of vibe with that. I like... Uh, you know, because I love being on stage as much as possible. So if I get to be on more than once, if I get to speak into the microphone, I haven't, uh, I've, I've only really hosted a couple times and just kind of bits and pieces, but I love talking into the microphone. I love talking to an audience. I love crowd work. Um, I was kind of like, yeah, like I, I definitely want to compete in this pageant because at the time, so there was one person who had kind of tentatively said that they were going to run. And then I think Prairie said that she was going to run to like either make it interesting or or like to prove a point like that I don't know exactly how it happened but it was like there may be one or two people running in this pageant and I was like you know I want to make it interesting because it'll be a much smaller pageant we knew we all knew that already um and I was like yeah I at the very least like I'll make it entertaining but also it's it's good practice that was kind of my whole driving motivation was like this is going to be good practice for me and then I thought then we thought for a minute like Prairie wasn't going to run and it was going to be like <laughs> name redacted um so redact that we thought name redacted was going to run uh and then she didn't um and then I was Prairie invited me and Stara and Gunkle Smokey to go to Brandon for a gig right after Halloween um And then I found out that Prairie was competing, and I was like, ah, okay, it might just be the two of us. And I had a freak out, and Stara can attest to this, where I was like, should I actually run? Is it going to be worth it? Because I'm just going to lose. And so I ended up deciding to go and compete and try um, with the mentality that I was like, you know, I kind of, I prepared myself for the worst, um, because I was like, this is Prairie Sky. She's been doing drag for for a minute and she knows so much and she's such an engaging performer and she's such a talented person um and she's so kind um but I'm like and I'm and I'm just kind of me and I haven't even been doing drag a year at this point um so I went in with that kind of mentality that at the very least I'm gonna make it fun because you know if it's just one person they're just gonna give her the crown at the very least like make it a pageant um I think leading right up to the last moment, like Alan and people were like looking for other people to compete. Um, Stara almost did. Uh, I th- I, we thought for a while Sylph might, but then she didn't. Um, so then it was just me and Prairie, and there was like there was it was really interesting. There was no there was no real animosity. Uh, we actually messaged each other a bit before before the actual pageant, and we got there and we were like we're both exhausted but let's do this because we'd both been I think prepping in our own in our own ways um I think I did like my my best drag that that pageant night and people said at the end of it like it's gonna be really tight and apparently I don't know Dustin came up to me after and was like Prairie is scared and I was like oh my god and I think that that kind of made the whole thing worth it for me it's like I I kind of let myself get hopeful and I was like there is a small chance I could win this because apparently, apparently it was close-ish. Um, and obviously I did not win. Uh, and I am not Miss Club 200. Um, 
but it, the fact that it was close and the fact that I got to do numbers that I've really wanted to do um, and that were so personal and so much fun um, and that people were, I guess, uh, the, the fact that people couldn't tell who it was going to be for even a second, uh, that made it all like worth it for me. Um, and that, that was really validating. So, yeah, I've, I've peaked. I've <laughs> lost my third pageant. I've peaked. No, but it was it was so much fun. That weekend was absolutely bonkers, but it was it was incredible. It was really fun to be part of. It was. It was a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, we have time for one more question. Okay. You've been doing drag a year now. Yes. What do you think is the goal, or what do you think are your next? What's your what's your what's your next ambition for misgender? Oh. I don't really know. I. I really want to win a title. I, I think that's that's on my bucket list of things to do. Um, I'm on the board of directors for the Snowy Owl Monarch Society now. Um, so eventually down the road, I would really like to be part of an upper house. I would like to, you know, work within the city with nonprofits. Um, I don't really get to talk about this, but I kind of part of the reason that I was able to be so involved in drag in the city is because I did my practicum last year with Sunshine House and with the Like That program. And because of that, I was afforded the opportunities to do queer bingos, um, to go to Fort Francis, to perform on the main stage at Pride. Like that was absolutely insane because I got to perform with Feather and Vita and Purple and Soleil. Um, And Soleil had her own thing because she was Duchess. Um, But it was like a whole... A whole thing. So I, I want to keep uh, I want to keep working with nonprofits. I want to make drag part of that. Um, I'd really like to perform for more kids. I'd like to incorporate drag and being trans and being you know me uh, into talking with with youth and with other like gender creative folks because um, I do think that drag has the space to be a cathartic uh, mode of expression that doesn't really get talked about because I think a lot of a lot of trans people are and in some ways like rightfully so offended by by the idea of what drag is but I want to be able to show people that you know there there can be more to it and it can be um it can be liberating and it can be uh helpful and it can be fun um so as far as concrete ideas uh I want to win mixed queer (laughs) uh or just something. I just want to keep performing as much as possible. I want to keep being around people. Um, I want to get to host some shows. I have a lot of like ideas for shows, and at least three of them now have kind of been taken by other people. And I'm like, you better let me be part of this <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna use my ideas. Um, but yeah, I think continuing to uh, integrate drag and theater and transness and gender studies into into my life and into other people's lives and that kind of thing. I don't know. That's not that's not a solid plan, but it's it's how I'm how I'm feeling and how I'm kind of I'm kind of just moving forward with with an open mind. I just want to do everything. Well, we're looking forward to all of it. Miss Asuma Chender, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Asuma for sitting down with me. 
Our next episode is the penultimate one of Dragon the Peg Season 2, and holy shit has time ever flown. Our next guest is the sweetheart of Winnipeg drag and one of the most supportive and hilarious drag queens we have with us. This death drop queen is an entrepreneur, and if you've tuned into our off-season show Queries, you should recognize her iconic voice in no time flat. So here's a clip from her episode. I was fine throwing myself off a fucking six-foot stage. Yeah? But that one time I go and dip, uh-huh. I knocked myself out. Yeah, you knocked really did. fuck out. I remember the first time I death dropped. I knew, Okay, I know in the back of my head, I, I know I'm not doing it right. Mm-hmm. At, at some point, I knew I wasn't doing it right. I knew it wasn't death dropping right. But I just, I went for that, like, big impact, like that bang, right? And but just just be careful. We're padding. Uh, we're, you know, just pads. Just wrap yourself in fucking bubble wrap. <laughs> if you want a death drop, don't. Thank you so much to Claire Boning of Veneer for the lovely intro and outro music. And until next episode, please remember to always tip your local drag performers. talking about oh no oh no